Well, we welcome you in this celebration of a living Christ. We're so glad you came. And uh, if you're a first-time person, uh, we'll be extra good to you. The others will be good too also. And so uh, we're just glad you're here. And uh, we just want to rejoice. I'm so glad we didn't invent Christianity. Uh, it was revealed to us. So I want you to turn. I want to speak on the foundation of our faith. What is Christianity? What is a Christian? Uh, one of the worst things that ever happened, happened to the church in 313 A.D. Does anyone know what that was? Well, it was Constantine. Uh, who is the emperor of the Roman Empire, he had a victory by seeing a vision of the cross. And he heard these words, by this sign, conquer, by the sign of the cross. So Constantine went to battle, won the battle, and uh, guess what he did? He declared all of pagan Rome Empire and the many gods that were in the pantheon and the many gods that made, they said, everybody is now a Christian. The Roman Empire has become Christian. Does that sound familiar? Have you ever heard this, we are a Christian nation? Has anyone ever heard that? Are we? Okay. Uh, do you think anybody's going to church that's not a Christian? L look at Romans 1, if you would. Romans chapter 1, and we'll go from there to 1 Corinthians 15. 1, 14. Paul's speaking of his commission and what he's about. I am obligated both to Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish. That is why I am so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are in Rome. Now listen to this. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. Now the issue is what is the gospel? I, I grew up, I think, I thought for years it was Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Anyone? The four Gospels, right? So, math, and they do contain the Gospel. But this becomes a specific message that we'll look at more, that yes, John wrote a Gospel, a good news about the life, death, resurrection of Christ. True. But when Paul went preaching, he always included those things. He died, buried, rose again. That was his gospel. And that's what he brought to Gentiles as he evangelized and did what you would think is foreign missions work. He said, this gospel uh, is what I, why I want to go to Rome. I want to share the gospel with you. Why? Because it's not in Rome. They worship the emperor. They worship 
thousands of gods because we go today from atheism, uh, which basically is you didn't quit worshiping, you just exchanged gods. Your God is now you. You make all the rules and, and everything's for you. So, so you're still a worshiper. You just w switch the object to you. Uh, then there's an agnostic who says, I'm in God's universe, but uh, I don't know where he is. And I'm not sure I can know him. So I might take on looking at redwood trees or uh, looking at a spotted owl. If that helps you, go ahead. Or I, you just can't know him. Just can't know him. But the culture that the gospel was planted in was polytheistic. More gods than you can keep up with. But here, listen to what he says. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Why is that? Because of what it, I've seen it do. It is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. What does salvation mean? That's kind of a big word. It's over two vowels. Salvation. It means literally to save, to rescue, to deliver. It was used among the Hebrews for health. They used the word salvation, shalom, well-being. When it comes to saving us here, salvation means God has done something to rescue you from the penalty for the crimes, the sins you've done against him. He wants to rescue you from your deserved punishment to be banished from him because you've offended the ruler of the universe. You've broken his laws. You, you've gone your own way. All we like sheep have gone our own way. We, if we're going to be rescued, if we're going to be saved, if we're going to be delivered, God said, the gospel tells you how God has intervened to rescue you from the consequences of your sins. Does that make sense? So if I say I'm saved, I, I, I've got salvation, uh, what does that mean? We use so much language in church, nobody tells us what it means. I'm saved. So well, we didn't know you were drowning. Well, it was worse than that. I was on my way to an eternal destiny that I could not rescue myself from. God's good news is I know the way of escape for you. You've got to come my way. There's only one way. I've, I've invented it, as it were. I, I brought it about. And Paul, he says, Paul, missionaries, preachers, teachers, go tell all the nations the good news that I have to tell them. Now, I always ask myself, why are we so timid to tell good news and we can't stop reading the Inquirer? Somebody, I don't know which one of you did it, sent us the People magazine. If you would like to spend your life wasting your life reading trivia, Joan just broke up with Bob. And I just, I don't know Joan and I don't know Bob. And I could care less. Bob's dog died. So too bad. 
Why? If you sent me that magazine, I'd appreciate canceling it. It's, it, it's good kindling, but for that, other than that, I don't care a thing about what they're doing in Hollywood. Do you know more about what's going on in Hollywood than you do in Romans? Well, let's read the text again. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, not Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but they're wonderful, because it is the power of God that will rescue me from the penalty I deserve for my sins if I'll only believe God. I we started with the Jew in Acts, then we kept going to the Gentile. Well, what does the gospel do? The gospel is the righteousness of God revealed. What does that mean? How can a guilty sinner ever be right with God? That's what he's saying. How can the guilty ever be acquitted? How can the guilty ever be right? The gospel is the answer. It tells you that if you'll believe in God, he would declare you right. And we've got a fancy word that came from Greek to Latin to English, and it's called justification. It's the word righteous. I'm justified before God. What do you mean? I am declared to be in the right in his court because Christ has paid for my sins and imputed, put to my credit, his righteousness. That's what he is saying. A reformation was built on this, that you don't get right with God by climbing on stairs or going to confession booths or giving your money to a church. You get right with God when you believe what he did in Christ. You get right with God by believing the gospel, the gospel, the gospel. If you don't know the gospel, you might not have believed it, you might not be saved, but if you're a Christian, you say you're a Christian and you don't know, it's like that saying, if you were arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to get you a, a verdict of guilty? Is there enough about you to prove you're a Christian? You better know the gospel. You better know the gospel. Now, you folks that never heard me before, you get off. But you ought to start today, too. The gospel is what God has done in Christ to deliver you from the penalty of what you deserve. And in it, it promises you God will make you right in the infallible court of heaven. We don't even understand what God's entrusted us with. Let, let's, come on. Anybody that have a spat with your wife this week, but everyone that's honest, raise their hand. Man, she's been tested this week. She's invited 35 people to our house, and someone will only talk to me in the meantime. No, no, she's working so hard, she's going and all like this. We fight once a week just to stay in shape. 52 years later, men, see me. I'll give you some moves.
But you know what? I'm right with God. How's that possible? How is that possible? How can an adulterer and a murderer say, I thank God he has not charged me with my crimes? Just breathe heavy. Let me know. Yeah. Did you know a murderer said that? An adulterer? Said, it was quoted in Romans 4, 4 and 5. He's taking it right out of the Psalms. And David said, my sins have been charged to my Messiah. And I'm going to go to heaven. And I'm going to dance there. And I won't be treated like an adulterer. And I won't be treated like a murderer. I'll be treated like I'm one of the righteous ones. Now, see, if you're like me, I never wanted to become a Christian when I was young. Because all the Christians I grew up around were very strict. This is in the 50s. The earth was hardening at that time. And uh, uh, this, they were strict people. Uh, their women had a lot of dress codes. We couldn't go anywhere. I mean, anywhere there were sinners, we were forbidden to go. Don't go bowling. They smoke down there. Whoa. You know, don't, I, I said, I'll have to drop out of school then. They do everything the schools I go to. But you've got to be pure. You've got to be separate. And so I thought, I can't live this way. I don't want to ever get started with Christ because I'm going to fail Christ. I, I, I'm going to sin. I, I just can't live it. So why even start? I don't want to be a hypocrite. I don't want to say I love Jesus and the next day cuss and say, well, I guess I don't. Get over it. When Christ died, he died for every sin you would ever commit. He covered you for a lifetime. And he said, you don't say, well, because there's so much grace, I think I'm going to do a lot more sinning. That's not true. He says, that will not happen in your heart. When God has done the work of saving you, uh, he takes away your appetite for sin. If you still love to do sin more than you love to do righteousness, guess what? You don't know him yet. Because he destroys your taste for hanging out at the swine yard when you become a sheep. Sheep get dirty, but the difference between a hog and a sheep, the hog wallows in it, sheep would get up. You can't walk through this world without once in a while getting dirty. But if you're a hog, you say, man, don't take me away from it. I'm laying in the sun, and it's my natural habitat, not a sheep. Get me clean. So this gospel offers you a right standing with God. And how do you get it? That is by faith from first to last. What if he said you get this righteousness by doing good works? You get this righteousness by flagellating yourself, cutting yourself, uh, offering one of your children to the gods, which was very common, bringing a lot of animal blood. Did he say any of that? Show me where, tell me what you're supposed to do in this verse. 
is revealed a righteousness that is by faith. Whose faith? Your faith. Your faith. You've got to believe it. It won't do you any good if you don't believe this. You've got to believe the gospel or you get none of its benefits. It goes this way. Let me give you a little gospel formula. Okay, watch. I wrote it down. It's so profound. I wrote it down. Faith plus anything equals nothing. Did you hear that? Faith. I've got faith in Christ plus I've got to do this. I've got to do that. I've got to do this. I've got to be semi-perfect or at least alive that I am. Uh, money, service, boom, 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 boom. If you come in the door that way, you think you are, faith plus anything equals nothing. Nothing. I want to get my boys circumcised so I could be right before God. This was the Jewish problem. I'm going to go on a kosher diet because just faith in Christ isn't enough. Paul said that's anathema. It's anathema. You don't bargain with God about your sins, about your works. You're, you have no bargaining chip. You simply have Christ. Christ alone or nothing. Christ alone, faith alone in Jesus alone equals everything. Faith alone in my good works? No. Well, I grew up in this church. Well, you might have become inoculated to the real thing. God wants you to be infected. He doesn't want you to be inoculated. He wants you to get the real disease. Now, turn with me to 1 Corinthians. We need a little bit more information. What is this gospel? You bet you should know this. This is like knowing the combination to the safe of heaven. You ought to learn it. Listen to what he says. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel... I preach to you. Well, boy, do you mean you preach Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all in one setting? No. He's going to get to a specific message. Gospel, okay? Taking my time, I want you to get this. Gospel is made of two words. It's epsilon, upsilon, you is the way they say it. And you is simply the Greek word for good. Good. Angelon is the word for message, message. It was used of angels because they were considered good messengers. So what it is, gospel is good message. The good message sent from God that he wants every human being to hear before they die because unless they believe that gospel, they will not go to heaven. Do you think the devil wants you to share the gospel with your family? Why? 
He wants to rob them from you. He wants to damn them. Could you really love their soul and not tell them how to be saved? As a look at the text, that eases up the guilt. Can they be saved without hearing the gospel? Turn to Romans 10 right now. Get there right now. I could see it in your faces. Look at Romans 10, verse 14. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? Can people call on a God they've never heard about? Nope. And how can they believe in the one of whom they've not heard? I, what am I supposed to believe? There's so much religion. It's a, it's a scam racket. All they want is your money. Who's telling the truth? Who are you going to believe for your eternal destiny? Don't believe a preacher. Believe God. No preacher could save you. No preacher. That's why sometimes they, why preach? Because God said, the, the messenger doesn't save, the message does. And we keep thinking, we're the attraction. No, no, no. As that one preacher said, if Jesus was born into Jerusalem on a donkey, he's still doing it today. They're called preachers. He wants us to bear the message of the Messiah, though we be as weak and as humble as a mere animal bearing Jesus. Listen, how shall they hear without someone preaching to them? It's interesting. This is said to be a day of non-preaching. Everybody's hooked on video, texting, and technology, and they don't want to hear preaching. How do you say they get saved? They got to hear somebody preach. Somebody's got to pro proclaim it. And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Now, back to chapter 15, 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 15. You don't mind having a Bible study, do you? Thank you. appreciate those who said that. I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are... I didn't hear all of you. Yeah. By this gospel you are literally being saved. Do you think we should know it? Is church about gospel? Kind of think about that. I've been in a lot of churches that weren't about the gospel. They're about tradition. They're about getting their own way. They're about church meetings. They're talking about fussing over budgets, officers, fussing about something. Because the main thing quit being the main thing. And we're not immune from it. Is Christ, is the gospel, is the word of God being preached the main thing or getting my way? Do you deserve to get your way in God's church? 
Absolutely not. When did any of us start the church? Whose idea was it to save? The membership or God? I hear people, they'll quit church, and I get these kind of excuse. Well, I've been hurt by people at the church. And I said, well, did anybody on your job ever hurt you? Well, you don't know who I work for. Well, I, I know. Uh, let's see. Did you ever get hurt in marriage? So, well, I never used to l- listen to a lot of blues, but I do now. Why, you must be married. Man, my kids are giving me fits. I'm going to give them away. Well, it, you still get a tax credit, but if you've lost that, you might think about it. <laughs> you see, all the lame excuses, and I hear, well, I, this, uh, this. And I say, wait, wait, what do you think of Christ? Getting saved, men have nothing to do with you being saved. There's nobody in this building there the night I got saved. Nobody of you were around. There's no one here. Only my sister Hazel and brother Paul, and they're with the Lord. I didn't know any of you. I'm not serving you. Why should I let you make me get mad at Jesus? Do you have churchianity where you're all sensitive about what goes on in the church and, oh, I don't like those people. I love Jesus. I just can't stand his people. <laughs> and soon touchy. You remember that in Philippians 2, 4? They had two sisters, soon odious and touchy. Two women giving fits in the church. I hear them all. I'm, I'm coming, but I have my feelings. I'm coming, but I... I so, so I guess the church saved you. Anybody here know Christ? Anybody saying, uh, we used to sing a song, I started out with Jesus and I'm going through. I started with the Lord's chosen few and I'm going through. I'm going through. See, even the song we sing, he will let nothing no, no, no. My dad learned that in a black church in El Dorado, Kansas. They said, I will let nothing separate me. Well, I wanted to be sure we'd be kept, so we switched it to he will. Because we didn't know when you were going to backslide. He will keep me. He will let nothing separate me. But I'm so hot and cold, in and out, unfaithful, disloyal, and all of a sudden, I say, your salvation isn't anchored in the good news, is it? It's anchored in the faults of other people. Oh, you found a preacher that's a crook, so all preachers are a crook. Well, none of us preachers can get you to heaven. Go ahead. Leave this church now. Say, man, you said he can't get me. I'd, I'd find me a preacher that could. Well, go ahead. It's only a message that can get you to heaven. The gospel. I don't equal the gospel. I want to preach it, but I am not responsible for getting you to heaven.
Well, let's keep going. For what I received, I pass on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. How many of you have known that since you were five years old? I put my kids to private schools. They went to Bethel, went to El Sobrani Christian, went to Berean, John Sweat. They, they have known, I, I mean, before they could eat at night, they had to quote that to me. Some nights they didn't get to eat because they didn't know. Wasn't that bad? But Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. Ask me, when did you learn that? Oh, I was, I was maybe four. And when I was stealing, fighting, and acting like a hoodlum, I still knew it, and I still believed it. I believed it was true. But believing this is true won't save you. Ooh, that's scary. Because I've heard so many uh, Christian school kids, Jesus died, buried, rose again. I know that. Don't, don't call me unsaved. I just quoted the formula. That quoting the formula won't get you to heaven. You don't believe it. You don't believe it. It's just rote memory. You don't like that because you paid a lot of tuition to put it through school. But it's true. The Spirit has to do a work in your heart because according to 2 Corinthians 4, the God of this age blinds our mind to comprehend the glory of Christ in the gospel. We see a mutilated body, but if all you see is a mutilated body and wounded hands, you have not yet seen the portrayal of the gospel that says the glory of God is revealed in the face of Jesus, and the devil doesn't want you to see he's a glorious, victorious, risen Christ. He, want, he won't save you by feeling sorry for Jesus. Feeling sorry for Jesus won't save you. He's a wonderful Savior. Many Latino nations at this time have rehearsed the crucifixion. They've drug men through the streets. They put them on the crosses and even the Mel Gibson film. Let's see how gory. The goriness of the cross will not save you. You must come to see the glory of the one behind the blood. The person of Christ saves, not church. Christ saves. Christ saves. Christ saves. You can throw me out of this church, but you cannot throw me out of Christ. I'm in Christ. He's my refuge. He's my salvation. Not you. Not you. Him. I serve Christ. I, do you? If you're not serving Christ, you need to get saved and get the real thing. Forget the hypocrites. Forget all the mess-ups that go on in church. So I wonder any Roman Catholic goes back to the church after all the pedophiles and all the scandal they've lived through. But you know what? What you can outlive a scandal with is the truth. We had some of our days of such a horrible conduct and we found out and our leaders and our youth leaders, they stood together to build a bulwark to build a fortress, you can be safe here while we tell you the gospel. You can be safe. I received that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. He was buried. 
that is raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. You see, here's the gospel. Christ died, but so has a lot of other people. But here's the qualifier. He died for my perfect character. He died for what? He died in place of me for the crimes I committed. He bore the penalty of God. This is called penal substitutionary death. He bore the penalty of God, do my sins. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. I will judge. I will not look with impartiality on sin. Somebody's got to pay. I've told it before, but it's a moving story that years ago, when my brother Paul was raising his middle son, Marty, bad student, goof off, and didn't like school. He just wanted to hunt, fish, kill ducks, and uh, live out in the wilderness if he could. But he's still in school. Paul, we grew up with a dad. We were disciplinarians. We were spanked. Uh, we were not counseled. We were told once. Then there was law enforcement. It was my dad's right hand. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody pre-Noahic? Okay. Uh, we didn't go to counselors. Uh, we went to the bedroom. And boy, there's a lot more than loving going on in the bedroom. Let me tell you, honey. He set your feet and your little seat on fire. And it seemed to communicate. Not abuse. I was never abused. Every time you talk about spank, you say, oh, he's into child abuse. I beg your pardon. I'm into the book of Proverbs. That kind of spanking. Okay? That kind of spanking. Not abuse. But he couldn't get that boy to do any good, and he always would spank him. Now, by the time he's in high school, he's nearly as tall as dad, if not taller. And he brought home a terrible report card. And so let's go to the bedroom, Marty. Gets in there. Marty knows. And Marty's at the age now. Dad, are you through? None of that. He's a big boy. He's about 6'1". My brother took the belt. He said, Marty, I've spanked you enough. Your daddy wants you to do good in school. I want you to graduate. I'll make a deal with you. For every bad report card from now on, you spank me like I spanked you. Because I can't stand to spank you anymore. And he handed the boy the belt, and he said, you hit me as many times as I hit you. It's got to be fair. I just don't want, I've ha I'm tired. I don't want to inflict any more pain, but somebody's got to pay for bad grades. The boy wept, and he started making B's and A's, and he graduated. He couldn't stand his dad to bear the punishment. What God said to you and I, somebody's got to pay, and since you can't pay, if I sent you to hell a thousand times, you know what happens in hell? The debt never gets paid. That's why it could go for eternity. But what Christ did in six hours on the cross paid for your sins. And God wants to offer you a pardon. 
And God wants to tell you, I took the whipping, I took the pain, I took the shame that I might get you to heaven because I love you. I love you. I want you to go to heaven. This is our gospel. That's the essence of it. And then he goes on and he says, our gospel changes lives. Uh, Peter, who was a coward, uh, yeah, is now a transformed, courageous man because something happened to him. He could not shake Christ once he met him, and Christ sent the Spirit to help him. He appeared to James. He appeared to the twelve. He appeared to twelve. Over 40 days, he was showing up at different events. 40 days, 40 days, showing himself by irrefutable proofs that I'm alive. Examine me. Then finally, Paul said, as to an aborted apostle, he uses the word, and verse 8, I believe it is. At last of all, he appeared to me also as one abnormally born. That is aborted or miscarried. It's, it's a, a very derogatory term and estimate of himself. I, I'm the least. I, I'm like the child that uh, is in its afterbirth. We don't know if it's even going to make it. And then he goes on, for I'm the least of the apostles. It's amazing when you meet Jesus how you'll lower your estimation of yourself while you revel in him. I don't even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. He consented to the killing of Stephen. It says in Acts 9, he was going to arrest other Christians, take them to Jerusalem, and see that they get killed. He hated Christians. He hated any idea of it. He was a zealot Pharisee of the Jewish party. He was insane in his hatred towards Christians, and Jesus cannot be the Christ. But this gospel that was revealed to him, God saved him on a mission to kill turned him around. All I'll say is, he said, I am what I am by the grace of God and to make up for my lack of greatness, I'll work harder than any of you. Carlyle once said that genius is work. Isn't that amazing? What a statement. I, when I first read that, I thought, come on, you didn't finish the sentence. He did. Genius is work. Straight-A student who is lazy is not a genius. Being able to get straight A's doesn't mean you're anything but a proud brat. Let's see what you do with what you know. Paul said, I am brilliantly trained in the Harvard of my day. I have been privately tutored by Gamaliel. I sat at his feet all my youth. I probably speak five languages. I went into Arabia where Christ taught me face to face for three and a half years so that by the time I went to Jerusalem, there was not one apostle that could add to my knowledge. I already knew it all, and I wasn't there. 
I'm here to tell you today, Christianity has survived the lion's den, the Colosseum. It has survived it, all emperors. It has defied all opposition. It has outlasted communism. It will outlast the Muslim world. It will outlast all rivals, for we will reign with Christ someday on this earth. We will reign. We will reign. We will reign. Let's worship. We're going to sing praises to God, but I just ask you this in closing. Is he good enough for you? What keeps you from accepting this gospel? We're not asking you to make a pledge. We're not asking you to promise you'll be perfect. Can you accept the perfect one? Can you believe that his work was enough that the Father said, I can let you go to heaven on this? The ticket's been paid, and it was paid at Calvary. Let's rejoice that heaven's doors have been thrown wide open to the chiefest of sinners if we'll only believe his word and believe the gospel. Father, I pray take your word, rent the veil, rent the veil, and show the listener the glory of Christ in his willingness to die, his willingness to be buried, and the triumph of his power that he's alive. Our lifeguard didn't die. Our lifeguard's been resurrected. He's on duty right now, waiting for someone to cry for help. Cry for help. Cry for help. And I guarantee you, God will save you. Invite Christ into your heart. Say, I believe this. I believe you died for my sins. I want you, Christ. I need a living Savior, and that's what is offered. He's alive. You can begin now. You can leave today being saved, or you can risk your soul for another day, another day of saying no. But beware, the devil will begin to steal this message out of your heart as soon as the service is dismissed because he doesn't want you to believe. Believe while the Spirit works in your heart. Believe, believe.